you competed for home ice. You got home ice. You got the best home record in hockey. So starting tonight, you want to make the most of all that. It's Philadelphia at Pittsburgh, game one, 7 p.m. at PPG Paints Arena. Somebody in Pittsburgh say something about getting fired up. This is the Mark Madden Show live at Buford's on Fifth Avenue. The number to call is 412-333-WXDX or follow me on Twitter at MarkMaddenX. If you missed the Sidney Crosby interview yesterday, that'll be replayed in the 5 o'clock hour. If you missed the Mike Sullivan interview yesterday, that'll be replayed at the bottom of this hour. We also got Paul Stockerwald and Dejan Kovacevic. It's the best hockey talk in town, and you can hear it only here on the home of the Penguins, 105.9 The X. Playoff hockey is the best. Hockey is the best, period. By far the best game. By far the most action. By far the most legitimate passion. And now in the playoffs, you multiply all that by 10 or more. Nothing is better than playoff hockey. What I mean is it's not baseball. And I get the feeling I'm not supposed to talk about baseball. Because the Pirates are good so far, 8-2, and two, and I'm a hater. Haters aren't allowed to talk about the Pirates. Hey, when I do talk about baseball, hopefully in two months when the Penguin Stanley Cup run is over, when I do talk about baseball, I'll be better at that than anybody else, too. But I guess to cover the Pirates on a daily basis, you got to be a fanboy which makes sense because that's who do cover the Pirates, a lot of fanboys. The Pirates are 8-2. Yahoo. That's great. But when they win, it's never designed. It's residue of what's left over after they cut payroll. But 8-2, huzzah. Anyway, Pens and Flyers, the seventh playoff meeting of the two teams. The Penguins have won two out of six series so far. 08 and 09. Made the Stanley Cup final both years. Won the Stanley Cup in 09. Philadelphia beat Pittsburgh in 1989. Game seven. Kenny Reagan in goal for Philadelphia. 1997, Philadelphia wins in five games. We thought that was Mario Lemieux's last game when the Flyers wrapped that up in Philly. 2000, the primo goal in five overtimes in game four. Flyers win in six, and that ended Herb Brooks's tenure as Penguins coach. And then, of course, 2012, which was a real excrement show. I tend to remember more about the bad, about the losses, than I do about the good, about the victories. Although you got Max shushing the crowd in Philadelphia in 09. And Bugsy Malone with two goals in the elimination game in 08. And let's see what the Penguins can come up with this year. Uh, this is a relatively simple series to analyze. The Flyers do not have one single edge on the Penguins. Not one single edge. The Penguins have better centers 
better wings, better defensemen, and better goaltending. The Penguins have an experience edge, a coaching edge, and an overall talent edge. I can't cavalierly dismiss the Flyers because they had just two less points than the Penguins in the regular season. Of course, they did have 14 loser points, and the Penguins did have five more wins, but even though I can't just count the Flyers out out of hand, there's no way I can pick the Flyers. I don't see any way anybody can pick Philadelphia to win this series. No way. And no way it can even go seven. No way. Well, unless some key Penguins get injured or every single break goes Philadelphia's way, and even then, that latter happenstance, the Penguins would probably win. I've been asking this question for a couple of days, and nobody's come back with a satisfactory answer, and that's a good thing. But if you tell me what has to happen for the Flyers to win this series, and it makes sense, well, then you know a lot more about hockey than I do, and you don't know a lot more about hockey than I do. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. I'm live at Buford's on Fifth Avenue in readiness for tonight's game one between Philadelphia and Pittsburgh at PPG Paints Arena. Pierre Maguire and Eddie Olchek of NBC both think this series could turn feisty in. It could, but I don't know. Maybe Pierre and Enzo are just trying to get people to turn on the TV. It's going to be hotly contested. But what playoff series isn't hotly contested? The Flyers won't systematically try to disrupt the Penguins like in 2012. Maybe Gudas or Manning will throw a cheap shot. Yeah, I bet they do run the goalie. So just keep them away from Murray. Or better yet, possess the puck and don't start them on the counterattack with bad turnovers. Don't imagine ways for the Penguins to lose. You'll drive yourself crazy. Players get hurt all the time. Look at last year. They won the Stanley Cup without Chris Letang playing a single playoff match. Look at 92. They survived for a while in those playoffs without Mario Lemieux. It's one game at a time. It's cliched, but it's true. It's damn true. Everyone's scared Murray's going to get hurt. You know what? I bet Murray does miss a game. And if the Smith has to play a game, I bet he wins it. Just like Jeff Zakoff did in 2016. Tishy, you remember him. Uh, I can't wait for tonight. I can't wait for the other series to start. I'm going to rush right home after the game and watch Vegas and L.A. And then tomorrow it's the start of the Capitals and Jackets, and that series will be very interesting. The first round of the playoffs might be the best round, the most fun round, because it's hockey every night and a bunch of games every night. By the way, it's been 15,659 days since the Philadelphia Flyers last won the Stanley Cup, uh, if you're keeping score at home. Have you ever seen the Flyers win the Cup? Uh, that number again, 412 This is Double M 
live at Buford's on 5th. Still buzzing over Liverpool FC's win today in the Champs League quarterfinals. And it would be great to keep that feeling going tonight. We got Mike Sullivan this hour. We got Paul Steigerwall next hour. We got Dejan and Sidney Crosby in the 5 o'clock hour. It is the very best hockey talk in town. And you can only hear it right here on the X. Sid's going to do something crazy good tonight. Mark my words. Crazy good. Sid and Gino and Latang. Those guys are going to take over the game tonight. This is their time of year. I'm Mark Madden. You're listening to 105.9 X. This is Sidney Crosby of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9 The X. Double M on The X, live at Buford's on Fifth Avenue. If you'd like to get some hockey talk, go and dial 412-333-WXDX. We got my interview with Mike Sullivan at the bottom of the hour. Uh, as I mentioned repeatedly, the Flyers don't have any edge on the Penguins. Keith Jones of NBC said that the Flyers' defense is better than the Pens' D, but I disagree. That's just an ex-Flyer seeing something that isn't there. Let's say Gostas, Baron, Latang are even. I'd rather have Latang, but let's just say they cancel each other out. Is Provorov better than Mata, Dumoulin, or Schultz? Three guys each with two rings. I don't see it. Gostas, Baron, Provorov are good. They got 30 goals between them, but the Penguins' defense core is better. The Penguins' bottom four, much better. Alexiak's a bottom pair guy, clear cut. And we've been worried about Rue Weedle and Hunwick, whoever's occupied that sixth spot since Ian Cole got traded. But they're all better than what the Flyers have. The Flyers have two good defensemen and four bad defensemen. The Penguins have four good defensemen, one pretty good D in Alexiak, and Ruedel and Hunwick, well, we'll see. What the Penguins need to do to make this relatively easy is to win both home games to start the series. And like I said at the top of the show, why would you not think they should do that? The Penguins had the best home record in the league. The Penguins had 30 victories this season at PPG Paints Arena. You work to get home ice. Now take advantage. You know what does worry me a bit about the Penguins as we start the series game one tonight at PPG Paints Arena? It worries me that the Penguins have occasionally come out flat. Uh, that's happened more than the Penguins would probably like to admit. It's happened at home, and it's happened in games they ultimately won. It happens to every team. And sometimes a good team can bounce back from a flat start. But in the Stanley Cup playoffs, I certainly would not recommend coming out flat. But the Penguins have a bunch of players with two rings. They've got three players with three rings. They've got seven players who have played 50 or more games in the Stanley Cup playoffs. All those advantages for the Penguins, how can they not add up? Like I keep saying, I hate to just dismiss Philadelphia 
because they finished with just two points less than Pittsburgh. But tell me where the Flyers have an edge. Like, I keep saying I can't get an answer to that one. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Even the PK. We've been worried about the PK. It's been successful just 70% of the time since Cole got traded. On the season, the Penguins' PK ranks 17th in the NHL out of 31 teams with a success rate of just 80%. The Penguins' penalty kill wasn't very good last year either. But the Flyers' PK ranks 29th in the NHL at just 75.8%. And when you stir that little nugget into a mix that includes the Penguins with the number one power play in the NHL, converting at a rate of 26.2%, which is the best in franchise history, well, that's a great matchup for Pittsburgh. Then again, the referees might not call any penalties. It is that time of year. Uh, and, And like I said, the Penguins' most profound edge is the most obvious. The Penguins have Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, the best one-two punch in hockey. And then after that one-two punch, things trickle down to Phil Kessel, Chris Letang, Patrick Hornquist, Jake Gensel, Derek Broussard, etc., etc. So, we will see what actually transpires on the ice which is what counts. But on paper, this is a grotesque mismatch. Like I've said repeatedly, it would take an extreme set of circumstances for Philadelphia to pull the upset in this series. Penguins in five, although the safest bet is the over. I think there's going to be a lot of goals in this series. 412-333-9939, the number to call. We are live at Buford's on 5th Avenue. Buford's is the place to go for your pregame prep. In fact, might I recommend coming to Buford's, having some gumbo, having a beer, and even if you don't have tickets, you might have them by the time you leave Buford's because we're giving a couple pair away down here at Buford's on 5th Avenue. So please do stop on John and join the hockey pregame party with the Mark Madden Show and... 105.9, the X. Let's go to Troy and Cranberry. Troy, you're on the Mark Madden Show. What's up, Mark? What up? I don't think Philly has any edge on us. I agree with you, but what I think will happen is if it goes any more than five, they're just going to kick the snot out of us and make a very tired series for Columbus or Washington. Well, what makes you think the Flyers can kick the snot out of Pittsburgh? Do they have the wherewithal? Do they have the personnel uh, in that vein? Like they certainly did in the old days, but I'm not so sure about now beyond Gudas and Manning. No, they just have desperation at that point, which is just as scary. You know what? I think if the Flyers get down like three games to none or three games to one, I don't think we'll see desperation. I think we'll see a hockey team that was just glad to be in the playoffs in the first place after missing last year. I think we'll see the Flyers roll over and die. Let's go to Brian and Etna. Brian, you're on with Mark. Yeah, so I just feel like that it's a, if they don't call as many penalties and if our uh, if our power play doesn't see the ice, um, that could be a problem for us. It could be a problem, but you feel, Brian, like that could be a problem that costs the Penguins the series. 
if uh, Philly takes one out of the first two. Yeah, Philly wins one at PPG Paints Arena. That might make the series frisky, but it it won't worry me. It really will not worry me. Thank you for the call. Up next, he's two for two. Two seasons, two Stanley Cup champions, and now he wants to make a three for three. It's Penguins head coach Mike Sullivan right here on 105.9 The X. Two seasons behind the Penguins bench and two Stanley Cups. Now he's hoping to make it three for three. He is Penguins coach Mike Sullivan. Uh, Coach, like I said, you're going for three in a row. Is there more pressure because you're chasing history or less pressure because you guys have already won twice in a row? Well, I don't know if I look at it either way, Mark. I just think it's a great opportunity for us. We know how hard it is to win championships. Uh, This is certainly, the we think, the hardest trophy in sports to win, but certainly it's a great opportunity for us, and that's the way we look at it. We've got a great group of players in front of us. We just have a great core here that uh, is so talented and, and so competitive, and, and, and we think we have what it takes to, uh, to win, and that's the way we look at it. We, we understand that it's going to be difficult. We know what the challenge is, uh, but certainly we're excited about the opportunity in front of us. Well, not only talented, but experienced, and really that might be your biggest advantage going into these playoffs is the experience, right? Well, I would think it would serve us well because we have a, we have a lot of experience to draw on, you know, and uh, when you look at the last couple of Stanley Cup runs that this core group of players have has gone through, there's been a lot of challenges. There's been ups and downs, and, uh, you know, I think we all look back after after you win, and, and you, it, it's easy to forget how difficult it was with some of the challenges that, that as a group and as a team that we had to overcome. But but certainly I think that the, the experience of going through those two runs uh, certainly gives us plenty of experience to draw on uh, with any of the potential challenges we may face moving forward. What's the fatigue factor like after 295 games dating back to October of 2016? It seems like you guys might still have an extra gear. I think we do. You know, these these guys are physically fit guys. You know, they take care of themselves. Uh, I think we have a strength and conditioning staff that, that is the best in the league as far as preparing our guys physically uh, so that so that we're prepared to play but but I give our players so much credit for the work and the dedication that they put in to be a, to, to be a, as fit as they can possibly be and 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 so you know I this coaching staff has never used uh, fatigue as as any sort of an issue or or an excuse we we believe in this group of players we we know it's hard to win uh, but certainly we believe we have what it takes every coach switches lines a lot that's the way the league is now but you seem to know when to do it. What's your feel for that? Where does that feel come from, and uh, what are the factors you, you take into consideration? Well, Mark, I, I always think there's, there's a fine line between, uh, between moving personnel around, moving line combinations or defense pairs, and, uh, and leaving things and allowing players or, or lines or defense pairs to play through stuff. And, uh, and, and I believe it's, uh, it's really a, a lot of times it's, it's a gut feeling. It's it's a coaching staff as a group. Uh, the the whole gut feeling of the staff on on whether we think we need to make a, a tweak or an adjustment to try to be proactive to affect some things uh, because we feel as though the team needs it at a particular time in the season. You know, we tried to settle in and have some consistency with our lines here over the last over the last month or so. Uh, but but certainly uh, we don't know what's going to happen happen moving forward, and uh, a, a lot of times it all depends on 
and how our team is playing at the time, what what our injury status looks like, and who's playing well and who isn't, and and whether or not we think we need to tweak something to affect a little bit of positive change for our team. And and I think that's the art of coaching. It's not necessarily the science. It's it's more the art of coaching, and a lot of it uh, comes down to gut instinct. You have Sid and Gino. No other team has Sid and Gino. All the advanced metrics duly noted. Isn't that the Penguins' biggest edge? I think so. I, you know, when, when you look at uh, the strength we have uh, at the center ice position, you know, there aren't too many teams in the league that can that can roll over the boards uh, a Crosby and a Malkin. In, in the, uh, if you want to say it's a one-two punch, uh, we look at it as a one and one a. These guys are both. Uh, terrific players. They're both elite players. Uh, they're both generational players, and they're both accomplished players uh, in their own right. And so uh, these guys are always at the center of the success that the Penguins have enjoyed over the last decade plus, and, uh, and it certainly gives us, I think, a competitive advantage to have these two players uh, on, our, on our roster. We're, we, we don't take them for granted, Mark, our coaching staff. Uh, sometimes we marvel at, at what they're able to accomplish on, on a given night uh, they're they're just elite players. They're terrific players, uh, and we think it gives us a competitive advantage. In 2012, the Flyers made the Penguins blow up mentally and emotionally in that playoff series. Now, I don't see a connection six years later, but how do you keep a team from getting under your skin over the course of seven games? Well, I just think we, we've got to make sure that we control our emotions and, and, and we play the game the right way so it gives us the best chance to win regardless of who our opponent is. And, uh, you know, we, we've gone through uh, two playoff runs the last two years where uh, there's been a lot of emotion on both sides, and there have been teams that have tried to uh, try to get under our skin and get us off our game. And that's, that, that's part of the, the, the strategy or the tactics that, that teams use to try to, uh, to, to try to beat us. So I think our team has plenty of experience in, in dealing with uh, that type of a circumstance. Uh, that may arise, but... Uh, I just think we have to control what we can, and uh, and and it starts with our own emotional engagement. You know, and, and we have to be emotional because I think that's an important aspect of our our overall team game and us being at our best. It's just we've got to make sure that we channel our emotions the right way. Do the Flyers play like the Penguins? Is the style similar? Because they've certainly got a lot of firepower up front, and they like to attack, don't they? They do. I, I think I think they're a very similar style of play than what than what we play. You know, they're they're a team that likes to stretch the ice. They're a team that's pretty good uh, within transition. They're a team that uh, gets their defensemen involved and they're very active in the uh, in the rush and and off the offensive blue line. So uh, you know, I, I think they they're playing a similar style of play that that we're trying to play here in Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, this is a real good team that we're playing. They, they've got they've got a lot of firepower. Uh, their power play is dangerous. I think their their defensemen are very active and very involved in the offense, both off the rush and in the offensive zone. And, and you know, we understand that it's going to be a big challenge. We're talking to Penguins coach Mike Sullivan here on the home of the Penguins, one hundred five nine. Like I mentioned, coach, you've been here three seasons. What's your take on the Pittsburgh Philadelphia rivalry, especially compared to some of the others you've experienced, uh, whether as a player or coach? Well, I think it, it's probably one of the more emotional rivalries in sports, uh, certainly in hockey for that matter. You know, when I was, uh, when I was coaching, uh, the Bruins, I was involved with, uh, the Bruins Montreal rivalry, and that's a heated rivalry 
uh, as well. When I was with the Rangers, there was the Rangers Islanders rivalry. That was a that was a pretty emotional uh, rivalry. So uh, there are a handful of them around the league, Mark. Uh, but certainly, I think uh, the Pittsburgh Philadelphia rivalry is 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 one that has to be uh, ranked right up there as one of the biggest rivalries in hockey. It's, you know, they're two organizations that are proud organizations. They have strong histories. Uh, I think the fact that both teams are as competitive as they are at this particular point in time certainly elevates the emotion around the games involved. And, and these are the most fun to be a part of. Uh, you know, that, that's been my experience of being associated with rivalries of this type uh, in, the, in the past. So I know our, play, our players are real excited to get, to get it going here. Uh, we understand that it's going to be a hard-fought series. This is going to be a tough challenge, but we're looking forward to the opportunity. What needs to get better on the PK, Coach? Because statistically, that's the one weak link. Yeah, I, I think when you look at our penalty kill over the last five or six weeks, we think we've done a lot of really good things. Uh, what, I, in, in my opinion, Mark, what, what we have to avoid is, is the, the, the real catastrophic breakdown uh, that gives the, the, the grade AA chance. And uh, when you look at some of the, the games, or the last 10 or 12 games, for example, that we played during the regular season, we didn't, we didn't really give up a ton of chances off on, on the penalty kill, but the ones we gave up were very high quality. And, and so if we can make sure that, uh, that we have support mechanisms built in place where they're supposed to be, and we have cooperative effort and cooperative pressure in the certain areas of the rink where we're trying to pressure people and pressure the puck, uh, then I think we, if we can limit the, the, the real high, high-quality chance, uh, I, I think our penalty kill has what it takes to get it done for us. I don't even know what to ask about the power play. Number one in the league, best in franchise history. I've never seen a power play so patient, Coach. I'm up in the press box. I'm almost yelling under my breath, shoot, shoot. And then they make two more passes, and the puck winds up in the net. Uh, do you secretly want them to shoot more and, and do the same thing I do? Well, I will say this, is that when we, when we do struggle as a group, that's one of the things that the coaching staff tries to reiterate to these guys is, hey, let's simplify it a, let's simplify it a bit and let's shoot the puck, and maybe we can create some offense off of the rebound or, or maybe, in fact, the, the original shot might go in the net. And so uh, that is something that we do talk to them about on occasion. You know, I've said this uh, quite often that, you know, when we deal with this particular group of players on our power play, I think as a coaching staff we have to be careful we don't overcoach them because we believe that, you know, these guys are elite players. They, they think the game on a certain level. They see the game on a certain level. That separates them from others, and we don't want to get in the way of that. So, you know, we, we give them a framework so that they can be predictable for one another. They certainly have a team concept out there in, in areas of the game where, where they're looking to try to exploit based on our pre-scouts of our opponents. But I think what separates our power play from others is their instinctive play. And, uh, and we're always cautious as a coaching staff that we don't get in the way of that. Matt Murray had kind of a checkered season, but by his own admission, he's never been a stats goalie, has he? No, he hasn't. I, I think the, the thing that jumps out at me when, when uh, people ask me about Matt is, is he's, a, he's a gamer. He's a guy that, that plays well uh, when the stakes are high. At least he says he's got plenty of evidence to, uh, to back that up over his first couple of seasons in the NHL. You know, I think we all forget how young he is because he's, he's accomplished so much in, in his short career to this point. But, 
listen, Matt's a real good goalie. We know that. We believe in him. You know, he's had uh, a, a little bit of a, of a roller coaster when it comes to the up and the, the numbers standpoint uh, from playing goal. But when you look at some of the games that we needed to win this year, he was there to make the timely save for us. And, and that's the type of goalie that he is. And I, I believe that's why he's as accomplished as he is to this particular point. Where's the defense at right now? Does the depth concern you at all? Uh, I'm not talking quality, Coach. I'm talking numbers because last year you had eight or nine guys that were NHL guys. This year you got seven. Yeah, I, I think we have more than seven, Mark. They're, they're just not uh, they're, they're not as many names that, that people may be familiar with because they, they haven't played as many games here in, in Pittsburgh. But we believe we've got a real strong defense core that's played in Wilkes-Barre all year. Uh, that will give us the, the depth that we need if 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 and when that that uh, uh, that that time comes. But but certainly when you look at the the group that we have going into the playoffs this year versus the group that we have had going into the playoffs last year, we didn't have Chris Letang, and we believe Chris Letang is a difference maker. And so uh, I believe that that we have what it takes. We certainly have uh, sufficient guys that 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 we believe can get the job done. Um, you know, as I've said on a, on a number of occasions in the past couple of seasons, that uh, you know we we have a bit of a motley crew when you look at our defense core. They're uh, but but they're extremely competitive guys, and they get the job done. They're a simple group. You know, I think I think Tanger bring, brings a certain dimension uh, to our defense core that uh, that that we don't have when he's not part of our lineup. Uh, but the rest of the guys, they just find ways to get it done, and and that's what. That's what we love about them. Uh, they compete. Uh, we certainly make our mistakes like every other defense corps in the league, uh, but but they move by them. They compete for one another. They work for one another. And, and I think that's that's what makes this particular group of defensemen what they are, and that's what we love about them as, as their coaches. Now, two years ago in the playoffs, Nick Benino kind of produced big numbers out of nowhere. Last year it was Gensel. Who could be a guy like that this year, Coach? Who, who's kind of playing – Below the radar and below what he could produce. I think we've got a number of guys, you know, that that uh, that can help in that in that capacity. You know, I I think Brian Rust is a guy that that's always been uh, so good for us uh, in in our playoff runs. That uh, that's a guy that I think plays plays at his best when the stakes are high. You know, I think Jake uh, the the last handful of games, his game is really starting to take uh, the form that 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 we all expect when Jake's at his best. You know, he's another guy that tends to be a streaky guy and can really get on a run when things are going well for him. I think Zach Aston Reese is a guy that that maybe flies under the radar that that has a a, a pretty solid uh, 200-foot game. He's a guy that, that can produce offense. He can score. I, I think he's got a playoff style, a game to, it, to, uh, to him. Uh, he plays with a lot of jam. He's, uh, he's stiff on the wall. Uh, he's brave. He's willing to go to the battle areas. He's another guy that I think potentially could uh, that that could help us offensively. So I, you know, you, you could point to a lot of our guys. I, I don't know that it's going to be any one particular guy that jumps out, Mark. But but I certainly think that we've got him sprinkled throughout our roster. That uh, on any given night, one of these guys could step up for us and help us win. Finally, Coach, this has to be super enjoyable, right? You took this job in December of 2015. It seems like a million years ago now, but it hasn't been. It's been, uh, you know, two seasons plus, and who'd have thought? One happy ending after the other. 
it, it's been it's been an unbelievable uh, experience from my my personal standpoint. You know, I'm so I'm so grateful for the opportunity to coach this team and and coach for this organization. This is uh, this really is a special place. I mean that sincerely. It, I, I think it starts with our ownership group with with Ron and Mario, uh, our management team with you know David Morehouse and Jim Rutherford. These guys are they, they just do things the right way. They're 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 a, a great organization to work for. We have such a great group of players and a competitive group of players that that want to win in the worst way. And uh, and and so, from my standpoint, it, this couldn't be more rewarding than it's been uh, since since my my tenure here a couple of years ago. As you mentioned, uh, our coaching staff has so much fun with this group of players, uh, and and we just we come to the rink every day and we love what we do. And and you know, I have to tell you that with all the experiences that I've been through. In this league as a coach, you know, going on 16 plus years now, uh, I don't take one day of it for granted. I understand that this place is a, is a special place and we've got a great organization that just operates with class and, uh, and, and, and to be a small part of it as their coach for me is a, is a great thrill. Coach, great stuff. Thanks so much for taking the time and we'll see you tomorrow night. Okay, Mark. Sounds great. That's Mike Sullivan, the Penguins coach. I'm Mark Madden live at Buford's on Fifth Avenue. We'll be back with more of the best hockey talk in town here on the home of the Penguins, 105.9 The X. Double M on The X live from Buford's. At the top of the hour, I'm going to eschew sick again. And we're going to talk about hard times, Daddy. You're not going to want to miss that. I watched the Andre the Diet documentary on HBO last night. It was very good. A few factual errors and a bunch of BS. But it was very poignant and got across the idea that Andre would have rather been normal and like Jerry the King Lawler said, led a very uncomfortable life. I mean, how do you fly at that size? And people are always whispering and pointing. But what a legend Andre was. If he'd come along just a few years later, science figured out how to arrest what he had. Acromegaly, a pituitary problem. In fact, it was possible to arrest Andre's acromegaly when he was older, but he didn't want to try. Uh, the thing that offended me the most about the documentary was that WWE and Vince McMahon and Vince's dad, who owned the company before him, always acted in Andre's best interests. That's a crock of excrement. Uh, WWE did to Andre what it does to basically every performer. Got every last drop and dime they could out of him then crumpled him up and tossed him over their shoulder like an empty beer can. And that's why Andre and Vince McMahon didn't talk for years and years preceding Andre's death. No Quarter, brought to you by CW Electrical Services. Make the switch at CWElectricalServices.com. We want hockey talk. It's a hockey night in Pittsburgh. Penguins and Flyers, game one of the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. 
Don't put too much emphasis on tonight's result. Either way, you got to win four. Tonight you can win only one, but it would be great if the Penguins didn't come out flat. It would be great if the Penguins got a win to keep home ice advantage and got off to a good start. Uh, if you like baseball, the Pirates play tonight. Actually, even if you don't like baseball, the Pirates play tonight. At Chicago, Sister Jean of Loyola Chicago fame, basketball, threw out the first pitch at Wrigley yesterday. She reportedly had more on the ball than Joe Musgrove has displayed for the Pirates so far. Uh, the Pirates are 8-2, and, and good for them. That's definitely what they need for credibility's sake. A good start. UFC may yet bring back Conor McGregor, despite him committing multiple crimes while disrupting a UFC press conference and ruining that UFC card at Brooklyn by hurting a participant and because one of the guys that fostered mayhem with him was taken off the card as punishment. But McGregor's a big draw. And now he kind of had to come to Dana White, the UFC impresario, kind of had to come to Dana hat in hand after all the crap he caused that led to him being arrested after that incident at Brooklyn. So now, maybe more so than that incident, it makes sense for McGregor to come back. But as I said uh, on the day of that incident, McGregor has dropped from charismatic lovable louts to idiot who isn't worth the trouble unless he is worth the trouble because the trouble equates to money uh, Tristan Thompson of the Cleveland Cavaliers cheated on Khloe Kardashian never saw that coming either Bartolo Colon got showy Otani out that I really didn't see coming but hooray for fat people up next, if you want inspired for tonight's game one, listen. 30 seconds away, we're going to talk about hot times. I'm Mark Madden, live at Buford's Fifth Avenue, 105.9 X.